0: Amen. Amen. I want to invite some good friends up here. We're going to do a little different uh, today. I'm going to invite um, Aaron and Julie. I'm going to invite my wife to come and join me. Love you guys. And, uh, I, hey, I want to let you know also, um, if, you're, if you're a young lady in here and, and uh, our Selah group is going to be meeting this Tuesday, but they're having a swim party this Tuesday. So you definitely want to be a part of that if you're a young lady. And they can see uh, Rebecca, the keyboard player, if you don't know who she is. And, uh, yeah. So so I'm so excited because we just came through a week of tent revival. And there, uh, there was one lady that came in particular that um, she said... I've just never been to a tent revival. I've heard about them all my life, and I wanted to come just to be in a, in a tent revival. But we did have revival. And so I would love for you to kind of recap first.
1: And, and on your website, how can they, if they weren't able to attend, how can they see the messages?
2: Uh, we're on Facebook. You can look for Life Together Ministry with Aaron and Julie Schilling. Uh, this is lifetogether.com is our website. Uh, YouTube, very similar. Um, if you go to our website, everything's on there as far as finding anything on social media. But, you know, it's, it's really interesting. One of the things I love, especially when we have to travel a long distance, is we come for the Sunday service prior to the Tent Revival and then we come to the Sunday service after the Tent Revival and to see the change. Yeah. Because there, you know, it, it, if there's not a change, then we've, we've failed. Um, because... I don't want to have fellowship with who I was yesterday, yes. Come on. you know. And I just want to, I want to say this, is that in February when the revival broke out at Asbury, and Julie and I went down there, and because uh, we only lived about an hour and a half away from it, and the thing I noticed, and this is what's happening right now, is it was not platform driven. Mm-hmm. It was people driven. And that's the move of God that's happening. If your hunger is for a platform, you're going to miss it. If your desire is to be up here, because if anybody... I knew I had a call to preach, but it was 20-plus years before God put me in that position. Because I didn't hunger after a platform. And I dare to say if your hunger is for a platform, not only will you miss it, but you may miss heaven. not saying you will, saying it is a possibility, because you may... You may offend the Holy Spirit because it's about you. And so, just something to chew on.
0: When we,
1: met, when we met you guys in Florence, you were serving. We were serving. We were serving in another man's ministry, but we made it ours. And you were serving and still are. You still serve your pastors. Just because you're evangelist now doesn't mean you stop serving that role. You're just in a different... You're not there as much, but when you are there, you're serving, and it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, lo- I love that. <clears throat> How many of you in the Tent Revival, God touched you physically? You were there, different healings that took place. Yeah, Cheryl. Man, Cheryl's testimony was really your shoulder, right? <clears throat> that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Straight, yeah. Glory. That was the first night.
1: And then last night you prayed for another lady who was up there for her shoulder. And so, see, when God does something in you, it's not just for you. It's to give out to others.
0: So something that you brought out that you talked about this week and I thought was so powerful, and I I just wanted to touch on it because we're going to do a couple of things. I want them to share their testimony, but they're not restricted to their testimony. (laughs) You know, I I mean, I, I want to give them liberty, all the liberty the Holy Spirit wants them to have. But here's what I want to do. Many of us know people that need a healing in their life, in their physical body, mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, in the soulish realm. And so I'm going to invite them to, I've, I really was feeling this as I was praying through the week about what we should do this Sunday. That I want to give them an opportunity to lay hands on you and pray for you because how many of you know we're carriers of what God can deposit in us And then with, this is the caveat, this is the promise that you're making, is that after they pray for you, you're going to go get with that person and lay hands on them and pray for them. And I believe God's going to impart through them. Are you saying they have something more special than me? No, I'm saying that your obedience to it could change their life. Because bottom line is healing doesn't come through any of us. It comes from Him. But He's able to flow through obedient people. And people that are willing, you know, willing to be the carriers of what he imparts. Amen? And then I'm going to give them, you know, I want them to have liberty to be able to pray and, and call you out. And go after you. Go after the ones that are hiding. Okay? Would you? All right. But first of all, would you share your testimony? Because that was so powerful. No, I'm serious. Because people hide, man. You know, we do. We're Just ducking down behind you.
1: A couple months ago, God had put it on my heart to have Julie on on, a, on our podcast um, called "Hey Sister," and you're one of the very first ones. And it, and it was a beautiful, uh, beautiful testimony. But it was just this much. Of, of just basically the tip of the iceberg. And so today you're going to hear more. But if you want to, to go back into the archives and, and look, look up the podcast, Hey Sister, it is something that God's put on my heart to do. But anyway, but it's her testimonies on there. So there's that re-
3: resource also for you to, to send out to other people. Amen. Okay. We're Amen. ready. Um, so growing up, if I'm just fully honest, I could not remember one day I wasn't in pain or sick or had super strange things that would happen in my body that other people didn't have happen. And so, you know, we started, as I got saved, God started healing me supernaturally of things, but then we hit this kind of wall of, um, so the way it got started was Ari Judah was sick, He was coughing. We had just moved, and we had been working all week, and I was super dehydrated, but I thought he was choking, so I jumped out of bed, and I went, and I grabbed him, and I took him to the kitchen counter. I put him on the counter. I gave him some water, and that was the last thing I remembered because I passed out cold, and we lived in a pole barn at the time, and so it was just tile on top of concrete, and I just went straight back. So Aaron, Aaron came out when he heard Ari Judah say, mommy, get up, mommy, get up. But I couldn't get up. And so when I came to, the world was spinning. Anyway, I'm not going to go into all the details, but if I did, the hand of God was so upon this journey that happened. But where it led me was to straight to the office of a man who happened to be in our backyard, (laughs) um, Cincinnati area, who was world renowned for the condition that they found that I had. And it was called Chiari malformation. And so as a military favor to the doctor who actually found it, who was an ENT, had no tie to brain, issues, except he thought I was his ticket into Mayfield. (laughs) Um, He asked this man to look at my case. Now, this man was 77, 77. He wasn't taking patients anymore. He was basically just heading it. He was like the head of the board, and he was where all the money was coming from, because everybody was willing to give to him. So we, so I get a call that Mayfield is like, you know what, we have an opening next week. Now I didn't know that that's a really big deal because normally it's a months long wait to get in. So I, I called my friend who works there and I said, and it happens to be our pastor's daughter-in-law. I said, Angie, I have an appointment with this doctor too next week. She said, you can't, you can't have that. He's, he's retiring. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure I do. So she looked and I did. She was like, I don't understand Julie. I said, me neither, but I'm gonna, I don't have any choice. Things were getting worse. My dizziness was getting worse. I couldn't function at all at that point. And um, so we go into his office and his, what is she called? Like his nurse, his assistant comes in and she's, she's telling me, she's like, listen, almost always these conditions can be handled with diet, exercise. And I'm like, yeah, because I have three kids. And I'm all in. I'm all in and on giving it your all. So she leaves, and he walks in. And he doesn't say one word. And he comes over, and he starts bending me, truly like a pretzel. I mean, just pulling my legs up, pushing my arms back, poking me with pins. And after a while, I've grown up in doctors my whole life because of all the weird things. And nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. And I said, sir, what are you looking for? He said, I don't know how you're not paralyzed. And I said, well, I'm not. So stop. And so he sat down with us and he said, listen, what had happened was the bottom part of my brain had hemorrhaged down through the hole that your brain stem comes up through. It was cutting off over 85% of my cerebral fluid. And it had also caused a very large gap in my spinal column called a syrinx. And it was over five vertebrae long, which is a really big deal. And so he said, I just, he said, you need to have surgery. And I started crying. He said, why are you crying? Very military-like. I said, I'm scared. You're talking about putting a six-inch hole in the back of my head. And he said, listen, you can get a second opinion, but you need to do it quick. He was really calm. He didn't incite fear. He was just very direct. And so he said, I'm going to give you a few minutes. And so he left, and I was broken. He was broken. But we knew that God had put us there. It was totally by God's hand that we were there. And so he walks in. No, his assistant walks in. And she says, So we're going to do surgery. We happen to have an appointment. This was Thursday. We happen to have an appointment next Tuesday. And I'm like, that's five days away. (laughs) And you're telling me my whole life is going to change. Okay. Okay. You know, all right. So we go, and I'm getting ready to have surgery. And there's all these people inundating, checking, multiple anesthesiologists, because it's a big deal. And Dr. Two shows up, and he prays with us before the surgery. He was a really godly Catholic man. But what we found out was that the reason he had an opening on Tuesday is because his wife was holding this large fundraiser in Cincinnati, so he had taken the day off but he wasn't sure I was gonna make it if he didn't get it done. And so he came in, he left her fundraiser. She said, yes, you have to go. And he came in to do my surgery. Now, being somebody that had been in pain my whole life, I was like, even though I was afraid, I was super optimistic that I was like, my life is gonna be restored. I'm gonna be able to walk through my days without pain. I mean, I had pushed through, but some days were rough, you know? And so I come out of surgery and I couldn't even walk in a straight line. And so my husband for weeks would walk me with a belt around my waist so that I wouldn't just And I got stronger and I got stronger and then I got pregnant with Yoel. He's my little miracle baby. And so my body did super well through the pregnancy. And then I had him Um, just about a year after I had my surgery. And at that point, my life went downhill very, very rapidly. The syrinx in my spinal column had reabsorbed the fluid. That was their desire. But because it had stretched my spine or my my um, what's the nerve thing in your back your spinal cord because it had stretched it for so long all of the nerves were frayed at the end, and so my body was sending pain messages that were overwhelming 24 hours a day and it didn't matter what I did, it didn't matter what I took it life just kind of stopped for us because I couldn't do it. Mm. And um, we went through some pretty hard years (laughs) of, of, it's where the rubber meets the road, right? And God had healed me of some really miraculous things prior. And so I'm like, oh, he's just gonna heal me. But it didn't come quickly like I had hoped. And what did you share? What the unanswered prayers is the breeding ground for unbelief. And as time went by, I got angrier and angrier. And boy, I could talk you in a tornado. I knew every healing scripture. But you know, they didn't bring healing to me. Because I knew I'm here, but they weren't here. I had been in the house of God for years but I didn't know how to plow the land myself. And finally, Aaron put his foot down really lovingly and sternly and he said, we're not going to do this anymore. This isn't biblical. Either God is God and he's the healer or he's not. He's either real or he's not. We're either going to stand on his word or we're not. And you know, you would think as a woman of God, I would have been like, you're right. But that wasn't my response. I was angry. I felt hurt. I wanted him to sympathize with me. I wanted him to understand. But he couldn't. But he didn't need to. I didn't need somebody to come up and go, babe, I'm sorry you're having a rough day. I needed somebody to set me straight when my mouth was saying garbage, when my heart was overflowing with darkness, when the pain was overwhelming. I needed somebody to speak truth to my heart, even if it hurt. And so he would bring me scriptures. I mean, all the time he'd bring me scriptures and I'd be like, I know that scripture. I know that I did. And boy, if you were outside of our house, you may have never known the agony that we lived in inside our house (laughs) because I could put on a pretty good face. But then he actually brought me this scripture. It's Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. And this one changed my life. It says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And it was like, It was as if I, I, I didn't verbally say it, but in my heart, I thought you're telling me that if I just meditate, if I, if I keep this always within my sight, if I put it in my heart, if I plant the seed that you're going to bring healing to my flesh, that's what it says. And so at that point, it changed. That was my very first scripture that I wrote on a note card. And I kept it in my Bible, and I kept it in my pocket, and I kept it in my bathroom, and I kept it in the kitchen. Because one of the things that really had to change in my healing was what came out of my mouth. Because I thought it was justifiable to be like, I am hurting. I can't do that because... And then I would rattle off why I couldn't do it. And Aaron said, you don't have to tell us why. Just say, no, stop cursing yourself. And again, that godly woman reared up. And I said, but it is how I feel. He said, I don't care. I mean, he did care, but I don't care how you feel if it's not in line with the word. And that is how we lived for like two straight years. And then it got to the point that I would say something dumb and he would just go silent. And I knew, oh, I did it again. But it was a good training ground for me. I learned to be silent a lot because if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. You know, that's not from your mama, that's from God. And so anyway, then there was one particular day that I got hit with pain. I was doing dishes. I was, I was doing dishes, and all of a sudden, I was on the floor in a ball. I mean, pain struck me. I couldn't even turn off the faucet. I, it came so fast. And I laid on the floor, and I thought, it was my line of demarcation. I thought, God, he may have won yesterday. He may have won for the last however many years in my life, but he's not going to win today. Yeah. And I laid on that floor, and I'm telling you scriptures that I had that I had kept my mind on, that I had written on my note cards, things that I wasn't even sure were really in my heart, came out like a machine gun. I mean, I was rattling off things that surprised me. And all of a sudden I got the victory. Nobody got it for me. See, he had carried me for years. My mom and dad had tried to carry me for years. But you don't get your freedom till you want it. I had to want it. He wanted it for me, but I had to want it. I had to want it more than I wanted sympathy. And I got up that day, and I had never felt prouder to be the king's daughter. I was like, yes! I get it. And from that point forward, it it just changed my point of view. I can't tell you I was healed overnight. But I can tell you that I have gotten stronger and stronger. And I do want to say this. I was talking to Aaron about this last night. He came to me. He said this last night. Is that right? In the tent? I can't remember. He said at some point in the tent. He came to me a couple months ago now, I guess. And he said, Julie, I can't find anywhere in the scripture where healing isn't instant. And I got offended. Because this has been a long haul, people. And I've put in a lot of work, a lot of time in the scriptures. And uh, I walked away and I thought, all right, God, tell me truth. And I went to the scriptures and I couldn't find anywhere it wasn't instant. And so even though my circumstance didn't line up with the word, then I had the decision to make. Well, am I going to believe the word or am I going to believe what I've lived through? And so I said, God, even though this has not been my experience, I believe that your, your desire is to heal immediately because he wants us up and going again. He doesn't want us to go through years of getting stronger. I'm thankful for getting stronger, but boy, I would have given anything to get it instantaneously. Mm -hmm. And you know, since I said that to the Lord, honest to goodness, I told him last night, I said, this is the strongest I have felt In years, it is like my, my healing started to speed up and things that I couldn't do just three weeks ago when we were at our last tent, I could do easily here. So my body's still aligning. I'm still learning. I'm still working the word, but he's so faithful.
0: You know, I was thinking as you were talking about how um, young kids, and I did this too, you know, if you could lower the basketball goal so yeah. that you could jam on it, you know, and act like you're an NBA player and really feel like you're catching wind and you're yeah. really not. It's just seven foot, you know, and uh, and you're jamming on it. It doesn't change the standard. Yeah. The standard in the NBA is still 10 feet. Yeah. So you put it back to 10 feet, I can't jam on it. And so our responsibility as Christians is to believe that the Holy Spirit and will help us elevate our experience to match yeah. the standard. It doesn't change the standard. Because so many people, we, we have a tendency to make excuses for God. Yes. When God all the time is trying to bring us up. So you don't have to make excuses, yes. but you can believe at a high, at the standard level. Amen. What about you? I mean, you're walking through all this and you're seeing it from a different angle and trying to...
2: Yeah, one or... of the things is is that and, and he kinda touched on this earlier was that you know I was going through right before this happened, I was going through a journey and I had people trying to get me saved all over again. And as I began to study this, and, and I won't go into this, but God had me on two topics. And both of them were highly controversial, one in the Jewish community, one in the Christian community. And they didn't understand it, and I would tell them, "I'm like, look, it's a one book book. You need to stop with the Old Testament, this, the New Testament, that. The Bible is the Bible. Work the instructions." And people, they they don't. 80 to 85 percent of this is the Old Testament. And I remember, I, I was trying to figure it out. It was this was. In Julie's mind, this might have been worse than when she went through everything because I had asked God to prove something to me. But he would just take me and and he took me to Luke and two different things where Lazarus uh, and and the the rich man and Lazarus and they died and both one went to heaven, one went to hell. And Abraham tells the rich man who's in hell that his brothers have have Moses and the law. And they said, no, no, no. He said, send Lazarus back because if a man raises from the dead, they'll believe him. And this is Jesus telling the story. He says, even if a man raises from the dead, if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe the man who rose from the dead. And then I went at the end on the road to Emmaus and they're walking along. And it wasn't until he began to lay out everything in the law and the prophets of why everything had to happen to him that their eyes were actually opened that they actually began to understand and they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke with us on the road? And God spoke to me and he said, you can find all your answers in the Old Testament too. Now don't get me wrong, better covenant, 100% because it's signed, the title deed is signed in the blood of Jesus. But there's healing in the Old Testament, all those things are are there. and. And so I began to, to just go through those things and find those things. Um, and, and, and I like to play, when I study the scriptures, a game of connecting the dots. And I'll, I'll go through, and, and it's, it's wonderful because everything just connects, and I get done, and there's a picture. And I'm like, wow, I'd never seen that before. And so, you know, when she began to go through this, I'll be honest, I didn't have the faith to believe for her healing. I didn't. I, I, I was not there, and, and so, you know, she said we were optimistic when she came out of this. It, it wasn't pretty. Medically they healed her. They saved her life, but they didn't preserve her life. Because her life got progressively worse to I couldn't hold down a full-time job. I remember, I still etched into my mind, I remember going to my pastor and, and breaking down to tell him my wife was disabled. And that was hard. And and one of the things God had to rebuke me on was, told me I needed to shut up. And I had a low point in 17. This, she had her surgery at the beginning of 14, April 1st. And you know, I had to put a post on Facebook and say, this is not an April Fool's joke. You know, and um, God spoke to me and he said, if you'll listen to me, he said, son, if you'll listen to me, I will give you 10 principles that will accelerate you financially, spiritually, and physically. And this was right about Christmas of 2017, and I said, let's go. And so he began to give me those ten principles. I remember I had all her disability paperwork laying on my desk. It was in an envelope, and I picked it up, and I threw it in the trash, and I said, my wife will no longer be disabled. And what I did at that point is I took my entire family, because we were all going through this, And I, it's like, you know, put them in a backpack and threw them on my back and said, as the head of the household, I'm going to plow the road. And it it was one of those things where I hope they follow. And I just began to plow the road and God began to go through things and I, and I kind of wrote these down real quick. But he came, he began to give me holiness was one of the principles. Purpose, what are you on this earth to do, was one of the principles. Divine direction was one. Prayer and fasting, the word of God, renewing the mind, which was a major one. Relationships was one of the principles. Because when you go through a tragedy, you really find out who your friends are. And although it might not be the most important aspect of faith, relationships is one that is often overlooked. You show me your friends and I'll tell you your future. Yeah. Who you hang out is who you're going to become. Yeah. You're going to become the people. So if you're you're, you know, when Jesus hung out with Jesus <laughs> when he hung out with them, he changed them. <laughs> you know, but the majority of the time he wasn't hanging out with them. He would go and 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 do that, but he hung out with his disciples a lot. And and trust. What you trust is what you'll worship. And so if if you say you got trust in God, but you're like panicking over your finances, then really your trust is in money. And and, and like Julie said, things begin to move quicker. Things begin because as you grow and as you learn, God begins to quicken things within you. That things that used to take you years now take you months. What used to take you months now takes you weeks. What used to take you weeks now takes you days. And now, in my life, what used to take me could could knock you out. Within ten seconds, I'm like, nope. The devil comes knocking. Hey, i got a delivery of anxiety for you. Hey, i got a delivery of stress. Hey, I've got a delivery of, of a disappointment. Hey, I've got a delivery of sickness. Hey, I've got this. And it's like, you, you feel it start to come on you, and it's like, no, wait a minute. And one of the principles was giving. And I'd say, you know what, devil? I've got seed in the ground. And he'd try to get and turn around and walk away. And I'd say, no, 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 no. I'm going to come with me because I want to show you something. Mm -hmm. And I would take him. you say, well, how did you do this? Because, listen, the devil's really weak. Let me say this. An army of lambs led by a lion will always defeat an army of lions led by a lamb. And I would take the devil and I'd take him and I'd say, you see that over there? That's a harvest of joy. You see that over there? That's a harvest of financial blessing. You see that over there? That's a harvest of peace. You see that over there? That's a harvest. I would show him and I said, look, I got seed in the ground. And I may not be walking in it this very second, but I'm going to go out and get a harvest. I didn't wait till the trial came. You sow seed in good times. And the last one, and, and this is one that's really was Sabbath rest. That was one of the principles. Because I've watched too many people burn out. And so God began to do this, and like she said, I would I, I just began to just drill this into her. We would sit down every night, and, and what's God saying? What are we doing? We would pray together, we would do these. And and like she said, I, I began to. We, we both had to change our vocabulary. You know, I can't do this because, and then she would list it off and, and just, you know, especially with the kids. Mom, will you do this? Mom can't do that. Why don't you just say, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, instead it's... Of, instead of owning it. Yes, yes. Instead of owning the problem. And so... Because
0: so many people say it's my cancer, my right. disease, my... Yes. Yeah.
2: And so within two years... She went from disabled to no longer disabled. It didn't take two years, but two years, the functionality. You see, and when, when God told me that in 17, within a month, he gave me a vision for what we're doing. And at that moment, she couldn't do that. You know, and so, so we began, I just began to pray for open doors. And it's amazing when doors aren't open and you're like, well, God, you know, you showed me this. And so I just went into the Word. Do you know how many scripture verses there are for open doors in the Word? I never knew it. These are I mean, I'm, I'm like, wow, where'd that come from? Wow, where'd that come from? You know? And you know what? All of a sudden, you know what started to happen as I started to study the scriptures? Doors began to open. And so you, you have to go to the Word, and then God opened up the door for us to become children's pastors at our church. And, and our pastor, who had watched this journey... Honestly, didn't know that Julie could do it.
3: He didn't think I could do it. I was trying to be nice I'm not I told him straight to his face. I Did and if if y'all ever meet Pastor Cletty, he can be rather intimidating And he said he sat down he talked to me just me the first time I'd ever done that with him And he said do you have anything to say? I said as a matter of fact, I do I said, you don't think I can do it. He said, I didn't say that. I said, you didn't have to. I can tell. I said, but I got to tell you that for all these years, I've heard you preach this word. And it was you read the word till the word reads you. I said, I got it. I understand. It's life. It brings joy. I want to say this. I really felt convicted of this. Listen, people comment on the joy that I walk in on a regular basis. It's real. This is who I am all the time. But this joy didn't come after my healing. It came before my healing. Because in the presence of... Of the Lord is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Wow. You've got to have it to face the stuff that we face.
2: And so it doesn't matter what you're going through, the first thing that had to do is we had to change our hope level. Yeah. We had to begin to hope. Everybody hopes for something, yeah. they hope for a better day. But they may use drugs to do that, money, sex, whatever it may be. They're doing something, hoping for that. But you have to move, you know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So that's, if you don't have hope, you've got nothing to stand on. Yeah. But faith reaches into the future, grabs a hold of the promise of God, and brings it into the Now. And so you have, to, you, you have to grab a hold, and that's what we had to do. And so when, when we became children's pastors, that wasn't the call God gave me. But I did it because of one of my kids who thought maybe she had a call for that. And I thought, I'll do anything for my kids. Yeah. You know, you can badmouth me all you want. I don't care. Don't touch our kids. But you start talking about my kids.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, it's on.
2: It's, it's, it's on.
1: But it was an open door. yeah. That you gave your yes to yeah. for more.
2: And it taught me how to preach, to be really honest.
3: Well, it taught us how to work in ministry as, as a family. As well, God
2: well, never
3: wastes no. time.
1: No. Never.
2: It always has a purpose for yeah. everything. And Pastor Cletty takes all the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt that. You know why I put you in there? Because yeah. if you can keep a kid's attention, you can keep an adult's attention. <laughs> That's exactly what he I sounds like. I
0: <laughs> love <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get him to come, to guys. I'm after him. So, yeah, so we're gonna get a video here. At the, you know, let's do it right now. All of you guys inviting Pastor Clady to come. No, I'm serious. Oh, we got to do this. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. Be patient with me. Be patient. I need a video. So, so please, Pastor Clady, come. Start saying it, please. Please, Pastor Clady, come. Please, please come. Oh, come on. Thank you. Okay,
2: yeah. I'm going to send that. Now, one thing. Today. <laughs> going, by, going by what Pastor Phil said in, in, in laying hands. We, we've done this many times in a tent where somebody will come up and stand in proxy. And, and, and I'll say, look, I ain't, we'll pray for him now. I said, but you need to go lay hands on him. Yeah. And uh, we had one lady come up uh, back in, in last year, and her friend had COVID, and she came up and stood in proxy, and she had cerebral palsy. And so she, limped, she had like a limp one side was weaker than the other. And uh, so we prayed for her friend. And I said, but you go pray for her. And later on, she te- or messaged us and said, my friend got healed of COVID. But not only that, she got healed of cerebral palsy. Come on. Wow. And um, <laughs> but last year, one of the, the, the things was, is somebody was sitting in the back like this, you know, as I'm preaching and I'm like, you want me to talk to somebody? What do you, oh no, they're, they're in the hospital. They're listening. Huh? So they came up and they handed me the phone at the end of the service and I had to step out of the tent because I couldn't hear anything and I prayed for them. And these people that brought me the phone, they were weird. I'm just going, you know. We just shoot it Maybe straight. you say that about us, I don't, you yeah. know, whatever. Peculiar. They were peculiar. <laughs> so anyway, um, I prayed for the person on the phone and they were in a desperate situation. She was losing weight, she was pretty much sticks and bones, and she had to put on weight quickly, or she wasn't going to make it. And I I, I felt the release of the power of God, just like Jesus with the woman of issue of blood, when he said, I I, I perceived that the power had gone out, and I said, how are you feeling? And there was silence on the other end of the phone. I thought, well, this is wonderful. And the nurse comes on and says, well, she's asleep, to which those two ladies go, I think she got slain in the spirit. And I'm like, okay. I'm pretty sure she's asleep, but you believe what you want. <laughs> yeah. That night after we prayed for her, she gained 10 pounds overnight. Glory God. Within a month, she was sitting in a church service in our church out of the hospital. But listen to me. The testimony of God is what you have to have your lenses to see through. Yeah. Because if you don't, you will forget what he's done. Yeah. Just like her. She went back into the hospital, and she forgot everything God did for her because yeah. she was no longer looking through the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of pros- prophecy is the testimony, or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. So what God did for one, he'll do for another. And so you have to view these lenses through these things as you read these stories of God healing people. Claim your verse. Go find it. I tell people, go find three to four verses that... that deal with your situation and quote them until they get into your spirit. And once they get in your spirit, just begin to thank him and rejoice because the victory is yours. Yeah.
3: It's also why it's been so important to be in the body because we keep each other accountable. Yeah. When we see somebody slipping, you can go, Hey, can you use an example? Hey, Zach, you seem kind of discouraged to me. Let's, You know what the Bible says, and you just build somebody right back up. You just put them back on their horse. It's not our job to knock people's crowns off. It's our job to straighten them, turn them around, and push them to go where they're supposed to go. Right? That's our job in the body of Christ. Not just ours. It's your job.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: To be encouragers of one another. Yeah. With the Word of
0: God. Thank you, Lord. So let's do this right now, all around the room. If you know of somebody. If you have a family member, you have a friend, you have somebody that you know in your life and you want them to lay hands on you to pray because I believe the anointing is here that God wants to impart something and you promise to go to them and pray for them. If that's you, I want you to step out of your seat and come up here. Go ahead and step out. Yeah, go ahead and line up right here. Right here if you would. Yeah, Holly. Glory to God. Others. Anybody else? If that's you. Come on, let's do this quickly. We don't want, we don't have to be eternal or everlasting to make things eternal, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So let's go ahead and spread out a little bit. And then then we're going to ask those of you that need healing, you need a touch from God. Then we're going to invite you to come. And then I'm just going to allow you guys to be led how God leads you, okay?